Okay, we are in Sefer Malachim Beis, Perek Yud Ches, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Uba'arva Esrei Shana Lamelech Kiskiya. So we saw yesterday at the beginning of Perek Yud Ches, amidst the tragedy and the exile and the violence in the Northern Kingdom, there is a golden age in Yehuda, in the person of the king Chizkiah. Chizkiah is considered by many to be the greatest king in Israel. Unlike David or Shlomo, he has no sins. There's no equivalent to a Batsheva or to a Batsparo, the Shlomo wed. He is considered a pure, righteous Sadiq, who the cornerstone of his belief is Bitochum. He just has a total bitachon in the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And we have seen just yesterday in, in the beginning of Yudchest how what he has done is avoid that stumbling block of all the prior kings in getting rid of those bumos, those private bumos. He dismantles them. He then has the Levium and the Kohan and the uh, goddess that tells us this go every inch of the Beit HaMikdash, uh, clearing out the desecrations and the idols. He then destroys the idols. On a military basis, he defies Sancheirib, king of Asher. He rebels against him, refuses to pay him any tribute. On the same time, he increases the territorial reach of Yehuda by conquering the Plishtim, conquering other cities. But his greatest achievement is considered to be that he has restored a system of Torah education, ironically dismantled by his father, the evil Achaz. He institutes a system of learning and botei midrashio. So there's the uh, Agadata in Sanhedrin. Let's just allow me to read it to you. What did he do, Chizkiah, to promote Torah? He sticks a sword into the door of the base measure and says, Whoever does not engage in Torah, will be pierced by this sword. And so in the end, they show that they sent out teachers, rebbies, but could be done by Beersheba, they searched from Dunder and Sheva, the low Motsu Amha Oret. They couldn't find a single uneducated purpose, uh, person, a Jew not versed in Torah. Um, and they searched from top to bottom, and they found that they didn't find a boy, a girl, a man, a woman who was not versed with the very difficult principles of Tuma and Tahara. He, he creates a revolution. There's no question about it. Sooner or later, you cannot expect Sancheirin to remain quiescent on this while he's being defied and his tribute is being denied. And so we pick that up in Pasuk Yud Gimel. In the 14th year of his reign, Allah Sanchera Melech Ashura Al Kol Arei Yehuda Hamidutsurot by Yeshishen. Sanchera descends on Yehuda 
and takes all the cities or many of the cities that were fortified and seizes control. Not, importantly, Yerushalayim. So Chizkiah, anxious to avoid an all-out confrontation, sends a message of Melech Ashur, Lachisha. Lachisha is the town of Lachish, it's in Yehuda, and obviously some Cherub has set up his garrison there in Lachish. Lemor, and he says to him very abjectly, Chotasi, I've sinned. Shuv me Elias, Hashetitain Elias. Tell me what it is you want me to do, what you wish of me, and it shall be done. By Yosei Melech Ashur al Chizkiyah Melech Yehuda, and what he does is makes him pay Shloshmeot Kikar Ketzef, 300 talents of silver, Ushloshim Kikar Zahal, 30 talents of gold. By Yitain Chizkiyah, it's called HaKesef on himself, Beis Hashem. He gives Sancher of all the money that is found in the Beis HaMikdash, Uvaotzvot Beis HaMela, and of his own treasury uh, in his palace. And What's more, he strips the Heichal of all the uh, gold filling or gold implants uh, that he himself had done Chizkiyo, the inlay on the lintels, etc. And he gives them to King Sancherib of Ashur. He does what he has. By Yishlach Melech Ashur is now, just to point out that what he is doing here, Chizkiyo, the Mephoshim say, is the equivalent of Yaakov's strategy in fighting Lavan or anticipating Lavan. He does three things. He does Srilos, he sends gifts, and he prepares for war. And the Mephoshim say, he is buying time here against Sancheirub to prepare for an all-out war. By Yishlach Melech Hashem, so now the king of Assyria, and apparently there's a division of opinion here. Does he take the money pacified and go home, and now he's coming back a second time, or does he never uh, leave? He takes the money, and his intention is to pursue the war, notwithstanding. By Yishlach Melech Hashem, now he sends three people, a delegation of three, Tartan, Be'ezrav Soris, Be'ezrav Shaka, Min Machish El HaMelech He sends a delegation of three people. You do not need to remember the name of Tartan and Rav Soris, but Rav Shake plays an amazing role here. Some say only one person went Rav Shake. Uh, the other two maybe went on a separate mission. But anyway, they come to Jerusalem uh, they come and they stand that's the reservoir as it were that supplies Yerushalayim on the upper part that is on the field literally of the launderers the people put out their laundry to dry at that place. It was known for that. And the other place is the reservoir 
that supplied the water to Yerushalayim. Meanwhile, we learn in the question that Chizkiah uh, is closing off the water supplies outside of Yerushalayim so that an invading army will have no ability to tap into it. And he is preparing uh, for war, although he's greatly, as we're going to see, outnumbered and outmanned. So anyway, they come, the three of them visualize them standing outside the wall of Yerushalayim. Interestingly about Rashake, the Medrash tells us Rashake was an apostate Jew. He was a Mumar. He may have been captured by Sancheret in the original capture of the Ten Tribes, brought back to Assyria, somehow distinguishing himself where he's now the messenger or an aide, or it could be Sancheret very cleverly utilizes the fact that he was Jewish, that is just converted for leverage as it was. The important thing is that knowing or bearing in mind that Rabshake is a converted Jew gives context to this diatribe or this monologue he is now going to give because you see it through the prism of a Jewish guy who is now one of the most embittered as many converts are against his own people. By Yikro El Hamelech, he calls for the king, which is already a calculated insult because Chizkiah doesn't even address him by name, by Yetzei Alehem, and so now they send out their own trio. Yochim ben Chilkiyahu, Asher HaBayis, he runs the household, Shivna HaSofer, Shivna the scribe, Yoach ben Asaf HaMazkir, and Yoach ben Asaf the treasurer. The one to know here there's a backstory as well in the trio that Tzitkiah sends, uh, sorry, Chizkiah sends. Shebna, Shebna HaSofer is considered by many Mephorshim a spy, a traitor. Whether it's exactly now or maybe later, it's unclear. There's an Agatha that Shebna sent a message saying, look, I am with you. I support making a treaty with you. It's Chizkiah that's holding out. So we got problems on both sides. So now Rav Shake addresses him. By Yomar Aleyhem Rav Shake, Go back, ask Chizkiah, which again is a calculated insult referring to him by his first name instead of the king. Let's say the big, mighty king of Ashur. What are you putting your faith in here? What do you expect to accomplish here? You speak with your lips and counsel about making more. Who are you relying on that you rebel against me? Speaking in the name of um, Sancheirut. Are you leaning on the broken reed he uses as a metaphor of Egypt? In other words, are you making an alliance with Egypt? Are you going to Egypt to get military like uh, horses and chariots? 
Don't be silly. It's a broken reed. I show you some love It's a broken reed of thistles. You lean on it, your hand is going to get punctured with sores. This is Paro. He's a toothless tiger. He's useless. You're not going to bet all your money on winning this war by an alliance with Egypt. Stop it. If you're going to save me, no, no. We have been tough on in the Kaddish Baruchu. Hello, who He took down all those private bummos that you all had for centuries. And what did he do? The Esmis Bechosav and the altars. And he's instructed you people. You have to come to Yerushalayim to just worship at this Mizbeach. You cannot worship at any other Mizbeach. And what he's doing is implying that Chizkiah is politically motivated here. He wants to centralize his power in the temple, so he's barred you from any uh, alternative forms of real worship to the Kaddish Baruch So now he's undermining Chizkiah. Do what you will, peace with Sanchevrib, or yield to Sanchevrib, and I will give you 2,000 susim. And then he adds another sarcasm, Condition on you being able to find drivers Charioteers for those 2,000 horses. You don't have enough people in your army to, to staff 2,000 horses. The Echashivas Pnei Pachas Achad Abde Adoni Hakitanim. And so, how are you going to even staff or rather defeat one of our regiments, the smallest of our regiments? Uh, which has a minimum of 2,000 horses. You're going to do this by relying on a defenseless, weak, um, incapable Egypt to supply you? Don't be silly. Now look through this again through the prism of Rav Shakeh is a Jew, but a lapsed one. And now, he's saying, be reasonable. Do you think I myself came up here to destroy Yerushalayim on my own initiative? I am going to do it. Hashem Amareli, Kaddish Baruch who said to me, go up to this land of Jerusalem and Yehuda and capture it, destroy it. Now, what's interesting is where is he getting the effrontery to do this? As we're going to see, there's a Nebua in Yeshayahu that we will learn, where he says the king of Sancheirim, the king of Sancheirim, will come and destroy Yerushalayim. The only thing is, Yeshayahu says, yes, the king of Sancheirim will come to battle with you. He does not say in the Nebuah that he will destroy you. But the interesting part is Rabshakeh knows enough 
what Yeshayahu was saying, and he uses his knowledge to infiltrate there and say, don't be silly. There's a Nabor against you. You think I made this up? You think I decided, yes, you can be beaten? Hashem told me you can be beaten. By Yomar and Yochim, and now very strange things happen. Again, we assume he is speaking on the top of his lungs in front of the gates of Yerushalayim. And the Yochim and Chilkiah, the Shevna, the Yoach, say to Rav Shekei, do me a favor, as it were. Zaber no eladecha aramis. Speak to me in Aramaic. Aramaic was, of course, the language of Assyria. And the elite, educated, patrician, Jewish nobility spoke it. The common is, uh, Yerushalmi did not speak it. He spoke Hebrew. He says, speak to us in Aramis. Kishomim anachnu. We understand it. And don't speak Hebrew because these people are standing here listening. We don't want to dispirit them and weaken their resolve from the beginning. Talk to us in Aramis. It's a very strange request. And Rav Shekei defiantly says, do you think Kodesh Baruch Hu sent me here, or my really son Kheros, sent me here to speak Aramaic with you? My message is to those people who are standing on top of the wall listening. Some who will, if you do not surrender, we will lay siege to them, they will end up eating their own excrement. Drinking their urine, they will be so starved. And he stands his ground. He shouts in a loud voice in Hebrew, Yehudis. Listen to me. Don't follow Chizkiyot. He is useless in saving you. Notice he calls him Chizkiyot again. A calculated insult, not addressing him as king. And don't depend on Chizkiyot coming to the Kodesh Baruch Hu and saying, Hatzel Yatzileni Hashem, save me Kodesh Baruch Hu. Belosi Nosena Seir Hazos Biyatna. And don't allow Yerushalayim into the hands of the Melech Hashur. It is done. Al Tishmau El Chizkiyot. Kichoamar Melech Hashur. Asuiti Bracha. He's proposing a deal. Let's make some sort of a gift, a pact. Utsue Lai Come with me. The Ichlu Ishkaf. No, each man will have his vineyard and his fig tree. Ushtu Ish may borrow, drink from his cistern. Adbo, what I propose to do when we learn this, the standard operating procedure of Sancheriv, is to remove the indigenous population to far flung Assyria, where they cannot coalesce again, and moving residents of his nation into what was. Powers, Israel or Yehuda. So and he says he makes no bones about it. You surrender, I will take you as an Eretz to Artsakhan, a land like your land. So the Gemara Eretz Dagan of wheat, because it sounds like it's seven meaning of Yisrael. Eretz Dagan, Lucy Roach, Eretz Lechem, a bread, vineyards, Eretz Zayas, 
You come to this land. It's as good as what you got, which is a very interesting formulation of phrase. Don't listen to Chizkiyo. Because he's going to be destroyed by telling you, God will help you. Come with me, and it's so interesting that normally you would think you say, I've got a better land for you. He doesn't. He says, I've got a land just as good. It's got the same natural resources. And the fortune point is to the genius of Sancherim that he knows enough to say, no, it's, it's not better. Nothing is as good as your own land, but it's as good. And for this, he gets a scar for not denigrating the land of Israel. But we'll speak about that more tomorrow. I will save all the, uh, uh, wait, has any of the gods of the other nations that were in Israel, have they saved them against Hamas. Where is Hamas? Where were the gods of Sanaim? Those are other pagan groups. Did they save you, Shomron, from me from being captured? In other words, who among all those other gods did they save their people from me? So who is going to save Yerushalayim from me? Now, he is equating now a terrible blasphemy, a terrible terrible blasphemy. And now the Hechrishua Ambalo Anu, they don't answer him. Um Chizkiyah's emissaries, Lo-Sanu. The king has commanded them not to answer. They come back El they tear their clothes, not because they are terrified over what Rav Shachna has said, because of the blasphemy against the Kodesh Baruch Hu. And we will discuss that by Yagidulo Divrei Rav and they told him what Rav Shachay said, and we will see tomorrow why we are now so positive that Rav Shachay is in fact a Jewish apostate, and now we're going to see the battle of words is about to end, and we are going to move into the real battle of Sancherim and Chizkiah, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. I come.